0: Psalm 118 And Psalm 118 is interesting because uh, uh, as far as length is concerned because it's right in between the shortest Psalm in the Bible and shortest, some people say, chapter in the Bible Psalm 117 and then the longest Psalm or chapter in the Bible which is Psalm 119 And so... uh, we see that uh, this, but this psalm is packed full of good things, especially in the area of prophecy and just the relationship with the Lord. Um, it's the last of the six Hallel songs, and that's the, where we get the word hallelujah from uh, praise to Jehovah. That's what hallelujah means. And of course, Psalm 113 through 118 18 were the psalms that Jesus probably sung uh, during the feast and especially during the Passover time. And this one would really have a lot of significance because of its prophecy. Um, And so it begins and ends by by quoting Isaiah, or or excuse me, Ezra 3.11. And uh, Ezra, now the temple has been rebuilt, and uh, their first procession going back in, and the people uh, dedicating the temple, and you can imagine the joy that they would add there. Although Haggai tells us that... uh, the old, old folks that remembered the first temple cried about it because it wasn't nearly as glorious as Solomon's temple, but it was a temple. And so they, they restored the worship of the Lord there. And so this psalm was probably written uh, during this time um, or uh, and maybe even as, a, um, as part of the service and uh, one of the songs sung, uh, written for this very occasion. And so the one thing about it is uh, well, we see verse, the first verse and the last verse are quoted. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. And we said that word endure is uh, italicized, which means it helps us understand what they're saying there. But it's His mercy forever, and so His mercy endures forever; it's, it exists forever. And so this uh, we see the call to praise and uh, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good and there's that intrinsic quality of good remember the Lord Jesus whenever he talked to the rich young ruler why call ye me good seeing there's only one good in heaven and when the Jew thought about good they thought about perfection about I mean just you know, uh, the garden of Eden well, everything that God did was good they, You know, the Lord saw that all they did made and it was perfect and so And that carries the idea of perfection. And so we see, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Now there's another Psalm. I think it's 136 later on where I, one time uh, in a prayer meeting service, uh, I had, and it's just a long, I think there's 20 verses of his mercy. So I would read the first part and have the congregation read the last part. And of course it's just his mercy endures forever. But then I got accused of going Pentecostal. So, you know, it's just one of those things, but I'm going to still do it again. So we're going to do it uh, when we get over to that Psalm too. But, uh, it's a good, uh, his mercy, endures. get it ingrained in your mind. His mercy, his loyal love, he's good and it lasts forever. And so, uh, we see that it's very specific, and we see that he's talking to um, to both Israel, and then he says, let the house of Aaron, that is the priests, uh, and then, of course, let all those who fear the Lord, all those who are genuinely following the Lord, let them, uh, let all God's kingdom uh, say his mercy endures forever. So tonight, what can we say, folks? His mercy endures forever. Let's all say it together. His mercy endures forever. Amen. Okay, so then we see there's a testimonial praise, and this is, again, we turn to the um, first person singular. He says, I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I see... I will see my desires on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but the name of the Lord, uh, I will destroy them. Um, They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were... uh, quenched like a fire, a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently and I, that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. So here we see a section now of testimony. of prayer. I called, he answered. And so here we see the blessing of answered prayer. Oh my. When's the last time you thank God for answered prayer? And, uh, let's see, we'll make sure that our So we'll pass those out. I think I got one more in case. Okay. Okay. So here, you know, um, so I called and he answered. Uh, and so we have that 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 is one of the the best ways of telling others that God answers prayer. It's a platitude when you don't really know it. But it is an experience when you experience it, right? When you know that God has answered prayer. Don't forget those times. Write them down because it's very easy to skip right over it. Even though it might have lasted last week, uh, next time you need something, oh my, and you can think, oh, it's been years since God answered, you know, my prayer, wait a minute, no, it was just last week when you prayed. You know, so sometimes it's good to, instead of just writing down prayer requests, to write down prayer answers and just, or little notes off to the side, like you do on your prescriptions or whatever. When you got a box and tells you to take once a week, then you better write down the date or you forget when you took it or whatever. So, so it is with the Lord. Is Not that he's a pill, but at the same time, he is the answer. And so we want to remember what God has done in our lives. Now, the next section, really, uh, um, think about it. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. You know, most of us go through life, when we think of God fearing, we think God's against us. He's ready just to lower the hammer on us. And that's the way we think so much. He's just so, we, we're God fearing. So I'm always, no, no. God is on my side. You know, I'm wife fearing. What I mean by that is, I won't. I like her to be happy. I, I, you know, when Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy or whatever. But no, it's not that I'm afraid. Oh my, I'm afraid she's gonna kill me. No, none of that stuff. But I just, if you love people, you, I, I, with you, I, I don't want you to be sad. I'm for you, aren't we? And so uh, I'm not. Oh, Anna, you came in today, and I saw four things before you met through the door that are wrong with you. You know, if you ever get right with God, you'd probably sell more cars. You'd probably have a whole lot happier life. You'd be rich, and boy, I could, you know. There again, I like to say uh, tell Anna that I could put a guilt trip on her pretty easily. That's the reason I picked on her. But uh, no, uh, no, I can't. Uh, no, she's uh, Gail's just the opposite. I cannot put a. I mean, she'll laugh at me, but uh, you know. <laughs> But uh, no, but God's for us all, isn't he? And so I got, my God loves me. He what you know, we saw back in Deuteronomy over and over again, choose life. I'm for you. I want to see you blessed. I know you bunch of stiff neck people, you <laughs> you know, but I love you. And how many, many times have I put up with you? And so God is for us. You know, God's for you, Della. Do you know that? I mean, well, you seem like you're falling apart right now, but God knows what He's doing in our lives. And so instead of this, oh, my, I'm going to, have to pray to God today because you know, if I don't, He's going to. Well, that's the wrong way of approaching God, isn't it? He's on my side. He loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And but also my own experiences should tell me. I'm not worried at all about my wife loving me because she she loves me I'm irresistible, I know, but uh, and <laughs> no no uh, but she makes me feel that way you know so that's you know, but then again, because she does, guess what I want to make her feel that way. isn't that the way love is? you want to see uh, you know love rejoiceth in in doing good for others. 1 Corinthians 13. So if my God loves me, he loves to see me joyful, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, he wants it to be from the heart. And so we see that uh, uh, that attitude of, oh, my, I'm just, I got to, I'm fearing God. Well, I just, the only thing I fear is that maybe I might displease him. And so that's the way we, he's looking, he's on my side. And I will not fear what man can do to me. We talked about Sunday night, how big our God is. And so when we know that we are uh, uh, resting in the everlasting arms, then what can man do to us? And so again, um, I will not fear. Uh, But there again, notice the way he's saying that. You have to talk yourself into some moods. If he's saying, you ever seen those signs on a car that will say, no fear? What is that telling you? there's a reason for that person to fear and they are making up their mind not to fear, right? Either that or just just a bunch of arrogant people. But uh, it's one of those things where there's a reason to fear, so I am gonna make up my mind, no fear. Now, if the unsaved person could do that, just think what we can do with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. You know, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Uh, State upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't fear? Well, there's a cause to fear at times. I fear what's going to happen to our country. Boy, it's falling apart, isn't it? I fear about, you know, uh, having church on Sunday. And you see a big old pile out there, uh, you know. uh, I feared a little bit about the parking spaces out front. I didn't know they were going to have something downtown. And I'm glad. Did you find a place pretty easily? Well, good. Next door. Okay. And so... uh, there again, so there's reason to be alarmed. But then again, in the end, not, but, there's a, but as a Christian, I don't want to panic, you know, taking it to the Lord in prayer. And there again, there's, if there was no reason to fear, then there'd be no reason to take it to the Lord in prayer. And, casting, and if you don't have a care, you can't cast it upon him. So don't get guilty simply because you have a care. You're just one of those things where we learn how to, Lord, can I really learn to trust you In these areas, I'm not totally there yet. Neither are you, but it is a spiritual exercise, isn't it? Okay. So uh, um, again, it's better. So he says, it's the Lord. Not not only does God bless me, but those who help me. I like that. You know, when when you're on God's side, you got other people on God's side. God will bless those who bless you as well as you. uh, He'll bless you as you bless them. And that's not only a, you know, a promise to Abraham but a, or to the Jew, but really you think about it to the Christians. Back as we would exhort one another, and so much the more as we see that day approaching. And so uh, he will bless those. And uh, it's better to trust the Lord than, than man. Again, and we see in verse 8, he says than to put our confidence in man. In verse 9, it's better to trust the Lord than princes. Whenever you see the word princes, think of government. You're thinking about the, uh, you know, a lot of times they would call the secretary of state a prince, even though he wasn't in the line to be a prince or whatever, uh, as far as uh, he wouldn't be a king. Um, but again, a lot of times the secretaries of state would be, if the king was pretty old, it would be his sons anyway. So, so it would keep it in the family as much as possible. But the idea was um, a government. Now... We got a. Uh, We've been trained over the past uh, 80 years as a country to say instead of dear heavenly father to say dear heavenly government. The government is going to come up with all your needs from cradle to grave. Don't believe it? Just listen to the next election. I mean, every politician is going to meet every need that you have and then some. Just trust them. It doesn't matter. Our cities are burning down here, but you know those people are trusting them. You know we are. So uh, it's amazing what. You know, how the, you know, I'm just looking for the next handout. And yet, uh, do, can we really trust in the Lord? Now, I don't want to take that too far. Of course, the government does help us some. And so we want to to keep that within bounds. But in the end, if government helps you, that means there's somebody in that government that God has directed to help you. Right? And so it's always uh, the last, the Supreme Court has always God. He's the one who directs. And then, also, in verses now, verses 10 through 14, I see that's an equal sign rather than a dash. Sorry about that. But all nations surrounded me. Now, notice uh, he must have been a politician here. But think about Ezra and think about Nehemiah. Think about David. Uh, the surrounding enemies, this is nothing new. What's going on in Israel today? They've always been surrounded. And this is what he's saying. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Notice how he's making up his mind. He's gritting his teeth. He's talking himself into it. So he, you know, there again, he wouldn't be saying it unless it's on his mind. See what he's doing? We've got to talk ourselves into certain things. Be strong in the Lord. Now that's a being verb or a passive verb, and it says, "How do you be strong? You grit your teeth." Well, no, you just make up your mind. You know, David or Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Well, that means he made up his mind. Was he afraid? I would be. Wouldn't you? And so, and if you think about those, uh, uh, Mishakchad and Abednego. Oh, King, uh, we're confident God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, I mean, you know, you always have to give God the leeway. But uh, if God does it, then I know that, you know, that, uh, you know, the worst thing they could do is kill me. And guess what? That means I'm away from you and I'm with him. Isn't that good? So, uh, but then you have, we have to keep thinking on that line. And so... Uh, There again, they surrounded me. They surrounded me, yes, uh, in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. Um, They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Now, of course, uh, he's talking about mortal combat there. Uh, We're not there, but uh, you think about what's happening in Israel today. If you were an Israeli and reading this psalm, you would be thinking a whole lot differently than we do. Right? And so here we go with, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently so uh, that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. Do you know what? We're praying that God will help Jerusalem. God will help the Israelis. Uh, it's, so, it's such a quagmire over there because you got everybody telling Israel to stop. But if they stop, then guess what? They're just, re- they're just giving their enemies time to cut off more baby's heads, to sharpen their knives. So how sad we're, we're the kind of, I won't get into it because mm, I don't want to get into politics. So, but I'll leave it there, and you can some of. Us, but our our government is absolutely crazy right now as far as what they're doing in Israel, and so um, I want to pray about that. But then again, the Lord is my strength and my song; He has become my salvation. Notice He's become my salvation. I've learned how to trust Him. I've learned how to walk. I've learned to walk with Jesus. I learned to walk with the Lord. So here we go with that. Now, the next section is one of the most, well, is a, is a song of praise, but, uh, or triumphant praise, because we see that, uh, that's the, the testimonial. But now we look and we see how that, um, that, first of all, in verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents or the dwelling places of the righteous. So rejoicing in salvation should be the common trait of a Christian. Uh, and the right hand, that's his power, that's authority, works for me. There again, I have to make up my mind. If God be for us, what did Paul say? Who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ. There we are. I'm talking myself into it. I think I can, I think I can. You know, no, no not, not I think I can. I know I can with the Lord, you know. There again, but you have to keep talking to yourself and talking the Bible out because really spirituality is a mind game. Think about it. What sort of things honest, what sort of good. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So why pray when you can worry? Or why worry when you can pray? Which way you want to go? And so... Uh, Again, the right hand, that authority. So, Lord, you're with me, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to just keep going to the throne of grace. Uh, you tell me you want me to weary you like that old judge. And the Lord talked about that old dishonest judge, and if he, he finally got to the point where he gave, gave the widow lady what she needed. Well, he says, well, I'm not an unjust judge, but uh, you, know, you can weary me if you want to. Isn't it good that we have a God that says, try me? You know, so uh, again, we can go to the Lord in prayer and he'll never get tired of us listening. So now in saying that, we see that at the right hand of the Lord, uh, he says, I like this. He says, the Lord has lovingly chased me. Notice he says, I shall not die, but live. You know what, folks? I'm going to live forever. So even if uh, big, and they're talking about it now, it's scary. But they realize we got enough cell groups in this country today that we're going to start seeing explosions. Um, well, if that happens, you know I'm just telling the Lord, uh, help, uh, Lord! If I go out in a blaze of glory, make it quick. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, uh, don't let me go halfway. You know, just take me home fast. But if you leave me here and you chasten me severely, and boy, have you ever been whipped by the Lord? You know the reason. Well. There again, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But he will never. Utter destruction is separation from God. So he will never destroy me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Gender is there. No, he does. If he leaves me here, fine, I, because he's given me, in my very creation, he's given me a survival instinct. So I'm gonna, I want to stay here. I don't want to die tomorrow, unless the Lord comes. I mean, I won't die. But you know, there again, uh, and so, and my wife does. And I don't. Want my wife, I want my wife to be here tomorrow, and she wants me to be here. I hope. But you know, and she does. But you know, there again, she's my better. There again, but if something happens, you know, then I want everybody to be here. Don't you? I want to see you Sunday. But if he decides that it's time to go, I know each one of you well enough to know that, you know, as bad as I hate to see you go, or you hate to see me go, the Lord says precious in his sight is your death. Now, that's a hard one, because not for us, but for him. Now, that's a hard one, especially with loved ones. I don't even get to even to. I don't even want to start naming my own kids or whatever, you know, because that is so touchy because it's so emotional. But can I really trust God with that? Can I really trust God with my life? It's a lot easier to trust the Lord with my life than it is to trust my my Lord with other people's lives. You know, my kids or whatever. You know, I'd a lot rather go myself than them. So there again. But he has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. And death in the Bible is separation from God, the second death. And he'll never, ever, no, never, no, never, ever leave you or forsake you. And so, again, the whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But uh, we are with the Lord forever. I have eternal life. I have everlasting life. We talked about the eternal and everlasting last Sunday. But um, but uh, it's not that I will have it, it's that I do have it. And for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in them should not perish, but have, not will have, but have everlasting life. So I'll never die. This whole body might, but not the rest of me. Now, the rest of this is so, it's just one of those great passages. He says, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Now, it's interesting how many times the Bible talks about the gates. We know there's 12 great gates in the New Jerusalem. There were gates around the city. There were gates into the temple. All those, and the idea of gate, of course, is entry. And the idea of presence and also of exclusion. And so we see that, uh, you know, and also narrow is the gate. If you that, and wide is the gate. You know, so we see that it talks about, uh, uh, or path and so forth. So, so it talks about uh, inclusion and exclusion. But open to me uh, and let me go through, uh, uh, and I will go through them. And guess what uh, one of the last promises in the Bible is? Revelation 22:14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. Why? Because they're righteous. Not because they have earned righteousness or done righteousness, but God has made them righteous and given them a hunger for righteousness. So here we have the idea of gates. And so... Whenever the Jew entered into the gates of the Lord, he was thinking about going right directly into his presence. And of course, when that uh, uh, high priest went in once a year, I mean, they, they were going into the very presence of God. And so the whole idea of that temple and this temple worship was the presence of God. And so when you entered into the gates, and remember, they built the walls, you know, around the city. And... Uh, and so forth. So Ezra and Nehemiah had a lot of praise. And then where did they read those? And if you read uh, Nehemiah, uh, whenever they started reading the Bible, guess what, where they read it? At a gate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how the, that the gates are always the idea of uh, inclusion when you go into the, the Lord's uh, presence. And then he says, um, I will praise the... Uh, he says, uh, excuse me, uh, that the gate of the Lord through which uh, the righteous shall enter I will praise you, for you have answered me, there is that answer to prayer again, and have become my salvation. I'm secure. These things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. So God wants us to know. You know, in 1 John, which we know is a book about knowing soul salvation, the word know and know by experience, there's two words for know. One's general knowledge, the other is know by experience is uh, forty over 40 times in five chapters. The Lord wants us to know our salvation. Uh, these things are written into you that you may know that you have eternal life. And so uh, this is what God wants us to know. But then the next is so fascinating to me. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It was marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That is a phenomenal verse that the Lord used several times, but especially, we see, the stone which the builders rejected. Um, The Lord presented himself to the Jews. Um, palm Sunday. I, I put quid. Uh, I don't really like the term Palm Sunday, but that's what a lot of people call it. So I put it in there for lack of space or to abbreviate things. But uh, it's not even really the triumphal entry because the triumphal entry is going to be when the Lord goes in the millennial temple after the battle of Armageddon. But it is the time that the Lord presented Himself and they threw palm palm. Uh, leaves or whatever in front of him and so forth. And within 24 hours, they were rejecting him. But what's the first thing he did when he went into that eastern gate? He went to the temple, and what did he do? He cleansed the temple. That's exactly what he's going to do in the thousand-year reign. And so he's going to glorify himself. And guess guess who's going to be there? People who follow him. So I'm going to follow the Lord right into that temple, just like the disciples followed the Lord right into the temple. And so uh the righteous enter the gates with him. And so we see that uh the stone though, which the builders rejected, and he quoted this, um in after the um in Matthew twenty one, verses forty two and forty three. In fact let's turn over there. And now this was after the this is after the triumphal entry, as we call it, as uh, And then, of course, he's going to spend a week, from Sunday to Sunday. Well, actually, uh, he's not going to. He's going to be crucified before then. But uh, they we call it the Passion Week. But in chapter 21, he's already there. The the triumphal entry. The last eight chapters of nine chapters of uh, Matthew are dealing right around Jerusalem, right around the temple. But uh, notice, he said. uh, in verse 42, he's talking about the high priest who keep questioning him. Remember, they keep coming to him and trying to trick him with questions. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be uh, will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it and whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it shall grind them to pow- pow- powder. Now, we call him the chief cornerstone or the capstone. There's two ways of looking at that. Uh, it can be translated either way. The capstone is kind of like that. I like the just fascinating. I got a video of how they built the St. Louis Arch, and it was back in 1965, and we went to the St. Louis Ar- I. I purchased the thing, in fact. But they showed how they had to build it and how that they even used the stars to make sure they lined up that last and they were bring, bringing it up um, to the top. But they could not be off more than something like a hundredth of an inch. And so they had every, every movement of building that huge arc, which is taller than the Empire State Building, uh, had to be just right. And then at the very end, they had the uh, Kansas City, no, uh, excuse me, St. Louis bands, and they had all that, so you can imagine, back 15-year-old kids or whatever, you know, and they're all watching this, and they have that huge crane, and they're putting that capstone right in the middle, and it fits right down in there, and the bands are playing and all that kind of stuff. But guess what holds that whole thing together now, and all the pressure comes right on that capstone. Uh, That's the way. That's what a lot of. Of course, you think of the Lord as the cornerstone or the capstone. So He's He's the one that keeps it all together. All the pressure can be on Him, so we can lean on Him, one way or the other. But then also, it can be used as a cornerstone as we think of it. But that would be that one stone that was down on the bedrock. It had to be there so that all the rest of them that were lined up uh, could could wouldn't move. I mean, it had, you had to have a couple of them around the building, but especially the one. You had to start off with the one. And even the pyramids had the one. You know? So it's, it's interesting now that uh, you've you got to start off uh, squaring up the building and putting that foundation right where it ought to be because everything else depends on it. And so we see, and the, the story goes, though, that when they were building the temple and the rabbis, this was something that's been Jewish tradition ever since Solomon's temple. That is what uh, they, of course, if you read about the temple, uh, they would, they didn't, the Lord told them not to have, they didn't want to hear a hammer sound. Nothing was to be done at the temple. Everything was to, can you imagine the engineering? Those huge, tons and tons of rock. But they had to be hewed out just exactly right and then brought to the temple and fit in without mortar. Just Amazing. I mean, the exact engineering that would take, and especially since you're not even there. And I I remember uh, there was a man down down in Mobile. He didn't, uh, I think he just barely finished high school. But he had a way of, he worked on ships, and boy, did he make a lot of money. But uh, he could look at a ship and uh, at the porthole, and if he saw that he had to put a brace around that porthole, he could look at it, and he came up with it, and he didn't, you know, he never took geometry and all that stuff in school, but he did learn the measurements and everything and learn how to read tables and all that. And he could, he could make the, and give the measurements of it, and he could line up that uh, porthole with the, with the bolts, holes in it all the way around without being up there on the ship, and take it up there and fit it on there perfectly. I mean, people, I just, it was amazing how the guy could do it. Now, so that's a gift. But at the same time, there had to be a lot of gifted people that could do that at the temple. And so to make that temple. But the story goes is that uh, there was a stone that was left off to the side. And they couldn't figure it out because the rest of them, you know, these huge stones, they could all kinds of labor to bring them in. But what was this stone for? And uh, they cast it off to the side because it just didn't fit anywhere. And, uh, So actually some of the builders used it for (laughs) privacy for a latrine, all all this kind of stuff. And so they just cast it off into the weeds or whatever. Uh, And so, but then right at the very end, they found out that that was the capstone. And that's the capstone, they cleaned it up and put it up there. And so the stone that the builders rejected, the Jews were the builders, but they rejected Capstone has become the chief cornerstone. But he says, because you have rejected him, it's going to fall on you rather than bless you. Instead, it's going to destroy you rather than build you. And so we see, and that's that's the that's the that is the uh, challenge of the Word of God. The Word of God cuts two ways; it either blesses and heals, or it destroys. And so we see that. uh, they, and that's what he told them. He said, you know, the cap, you've, you've rejected. Have you not read this? You know, that's what he's saying. Haven't you read Psalm 118? You know, I mean, you guys know all the verses, but you have no idea what they mean. So uh, what a blessing that is. But then the next phrase is, uh, he didn't quote it here, but he says, uh, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What day? You know, the first time, now he says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. The King James says, um, what what does the King James say over in chapter 28, verse 9? That's, oh my, it's a, yeah, 28, 9. Yeah, Matthew. Um, It's an old Shakespearean or English way of greeting people. Does it say, does it say greetings? No. Jesus
1: said unto them, do not No. 28 verse 9. And as they went
0: to tell his disciples, Jesus met them, saying, all hail. All hail, yeah, that's it. That, uh, right. Uh, that all hail is a good old-fashioned 1611 way of greeting people. But it wasn't exactly... The term, the term, which uh, in the New King James corrected, was rejoice. Rejoice. This is the day the Lord's made what day? The resurrection. Rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That is why over in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day then possibly he didn't want to call it Sunday because Sunday was a term that was used for the day they worshiped the sun. S-U-N, not S-O-N. So they, the early church called it the Lord's Day. And so this is one of the strong, strongest passages we have that deals with the reason we we're not Seventh-day Adventist. And, well, you say, well, don't worship one day or another. Okay, that's not something that technically by itself will not send a person to hell. But if that's what they're trusting to get up to heaven is because they're worshiping on Saturday, then they got a problem. Just like if someone is baptized uh, in this church and think that's what's gonna get to heaven, they got a problem. Because it's what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I got a brother that uh, believes that I'm not saved because I don't go to his church and I'm not a member of his church. Like I tell him, I hope you believe enough in the blood, and not enough in the water, that you, you know, we'll see you there. But I'm not worried about going there. I, I'll, I hope I'll see you there. You know, so I kind of turn around on it. Uh, but uh, again, you know, I'm not going to argue with him. There's no reason to sit around and argue with people that are not going to be persuaded. But you do ask God to change their mind or to open their eyes. Uh, I'm convinced. I know whom I believe, so I don't have any problem with that. You're arrogant. No, I just know what I believe and I what God says. So that's, you know, that's not. That's just confidence in the Lord, and folks. We can't let people shake us. Oh, we're so little different here. Okay, you'll find out when we get to heaven that I'm right. No, but you know. but now there, there are certain things, of course, we leave alone because I don't know whether you know. There again, as long as I know they're saved, when we get to heaven, we'll figure it all out. Uh, so, you know, I got friends. I had a good friend named Jerry uh, Gary Brighton. He was a pastor of the Methodist Church. Good godly men. But we had a big old, big old, the, the, the uh, county dumped their water on us. What had happened was they, the builders had built up on the other side of the road. And as a result, all the water that used to go on both sides of the road now came all the way over to our land and uh, about an acre in front of the church. And it would just, it would become a lake. And it would come all the way into our church. But until they, they finally fixed it. But we had, to, we had to haul a lot of dirt in. That was one of my major building projects, just hauling in hundreds of loads of dirt, and that's expensive. But, um, but in order to do that, but uh, back I remember a couple of times, he'd come by, and he came out one time, and there was just that big water out there in the world. And And uh, I said, okay, we got enough water. Uh, you want to get right? Now I can go take care of uh, your baptism. <laughs> he said, I'm not worried about it. And I said, no, okay. <laughs> you know? So, you know, you can kid back and forth about it. But now he can't be a member of my church, but he can come. I had a lady in my church that I've talked to about, uh, about her before. I won't talk, go into it, but um, uh, she was she believed that she didn't have to be baptized at all. And so uh, she was a widow lady. And uh, I always told her, I said, uh, two things I'm going to do before I leave here that I'm going to get you married, I'm going to get you baptized. And she said, You'll be here a long time. I'm <laughs> And so, yeah, but she loved her to pieces, you know. So you just, uh, you just agree to disagree. Now, if she told me that she didn't believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, we have a different problem. You see what I mean? But now she she never argued, she never pressured me. Well, you just don't take people. No, she never did that. She knew where we stood. So she knew she couldn't be a member. Well, they just don't like me down there because they don't accept me. And we, we Aren't we are diverse people? And No, wait a minute. There are certain things that God says. And so there are certain things we major on and certain things we give people a benefit of the doubt. But in this church, you already know, you knew exactly where we stood on that before you ever even came to this church. And so you're not here to change us. And I mean, if I thought that you were here to change us, uh, we probably would not have, I would have probably advised you. I, I have advised people, I don't think you want us. You have to do that. But then again, you can come as often as you want, you know, whatever. And so, uh, but then again, so there, that's where we are with that. But, uh, but rejoice, we're going to rejoice and be glad. in. That's the reason we worship the Lord on the Lord's Day. Now, the last part of it is a confidence, pray Confident praise uh save now i pray lord oh lord and this boy i love this one i underline this one Send now prosperity especially when you're deep in debt (laughs) that's a good one isn't it that's a good prayer hey listen when you're praying things like that you're praying scripture If my words abide in you and you abide in me you could ask what you will so hey folks that's a good one now sometimes prosperity isn't money Sometimes there's things that money can't buy, and so again, uh, we have to see what prosperity is and the light of God, and what He wants. Like uh, I've used Alexander Solzhenitsyn several times, but uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, he was you know a political prisoner in Soviet Union and all that. Oh, wouldn't it be great if the, the Russia had the freedom that we have in America? He said, "Oh no, we don't want the freedom like you have in America because we got people closer to the Lord than most of your people will ever be." That's a hard one, you know, especially when you know a guy's been beaten up and everything else in prison. Okay, well, boy, it's already. I'm having fun, folks. This is fun for me, but it's already eight o'clock, seven o'clock. So we gotta gotta go. But uh, so we see, you know, he's given me light. now the the one probably the one of the hardest sections to deal with. And I've read through this, uh, but bind the sacrifice of the, with cords to the horns of the altar. That is, and every commentator has admitted, this is a difficult passage. For one thing, you don't bind an animal to the altar. So this has to be taken poetically. And he is saying that, of course, the blood was to be sprinkled on the altar and on the, the uh, During certain feasts, the blood was to be even applied to the horns of that altar. There was that brazen altar, and on the end, you would have the horns or whatever. And so so, this would have to be taken spiritually because uh, the poet is saying, Lord, keep me emotionally close to you. It's not enough just to offer an offering. It's not enough just to throw some money in the offering plate. You want my body. You want my soul. Keep me close to you. That's the reason we say, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Keep me close to Jesus. Keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. And so again, the closeness that we want to be with the Lord. And then, of course, he ends with... uh, uh, I love this again. He knows he's talking to himself and talking to the Lord. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Now, don't, when's the last time you told the Lord that? It helps out whenever we get our you know, kind of a, a momentum going in our mind, where we're going that route with praising the Lord. And then he ends with the same uh, same verse that he started off with. Which would have probably been because of the dedication of the temple. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good. His mercy endures forever, folks. We might be going through some bad things, and we still got to build that wall out there. And we got Sanballat and Tobiah and all those out there. But God's good, and God's good. Amen. Okay. Any questions or comments? I'm sorry I got a little bit going today, but I mean tonight. Uh, I mean, I just, once I get going on chapters like this,